0: Welcome to Criminal Sentencing Law. My name is Elise Methven and I'm a lecturer at UTS Law Faculty. This is the second of a series of podcasts which examine the sentencing process in New South Wales. In the previous podcast, we looked at matters in the lead up to a sentencing hearing, including the difference between summary and indictable matters, electing to have matters dealt with on indictment, and plea negotiations. In the present podcast, we will outline the sentencing process for New South Wales offences, with a focus on sentencing procedure in the New South Wales Local Court. We will also discuss the use of pre-sentence reports in sentencing hearings. Sentencing can be defined as the process by which a judicial officer decides whether to impose a penalty and if so, what penalty to impose for committing a crime. A sentencing hearing is the final phase in a criminal trial and occurs after the offender has either pleaded guilty to an offence or offences or has been found guilty of a criminal offence following a hearing. On most occasions, sentencing occurs after a plea of guilty as opposed to following a contested hearing. When the defendant has pleaded guilty, a statement of agreed facts will be prepared by both parties and submitted to the court. If a sentencing hearing occurs following a criminal trial, the judicial officer has already heard evidence about the offence. Therefore, the sentencing hearing will largely concentrate on the offender's background and circumstances. So what happens in a sentencing hearing? During the sentencing hearing, the judge or magistrate will hear oral and receive written submissions on sentence from both parties. For the defence, this is known as a plea in mitigation. The court will consider the purposes of sentencing as set out in Section 3A of the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act, the objective seriousness of the offence, as well as any aggravating or mitigating factors, which are mainly outlined in Section 21A and are also established at common law. The court may have regard to such things as the timing of the guilty plea, any remorse demonstrated by the offender, the offender's general character, the impact on the victim of the crime, assistance given to authorities, principles of parity and totality of criminality, sentencing statistics, guideline judgments and the penalty options available. In addition to the agreed facts, the parties may call evidence in oral and written forms in support of their arguments. The defence may present written character references and possibly also oral evidence from character witnesses. The defence may include medical, psychiatric, psychologist and other reports. Any oral evidence to be presented should be called first and copies of written material provided to the prosecution before the sentencing hearing. The magistrate will ask questions throughout the hearing. The magistrate may wish to retire or to adjourn to consider any documentary material put before them. In a latter podcast, We will examine in more detail the use of character references, the criminal record and psychologists and other reports that may be tendered during the sentencing hearing. At the end of the sentencing hearing, the judicial officer hands down their sentence by delivering a judgement. Sentencing judges are under an obligation to give and publish reasons for their decisions. Sentencing is said to require a process of instinctive synthesis from the magistrate or judge. Instinctive synthesis essentially refers to the judge identifying and evaluating all factors relevant to the sentence, then deciding the appropriate sentence having regard to these factors. Instinctive synthesis has also been described as a mechanism whereby sentences make a decision regarding all of the considerations that are relevant to sentencing, and then give due weight to each of them, and in the process incorporate considerations that incline to a heavy heavier penalty and offset against them factors that favour a lesser penalty, and then set a precise penalty. The phrase was first used in the Victorian case, the Queen against Williscroft, where Justices Adam and Crockett stated, Now ultimately every sentence imposed represents the judge's instinctive synthesis of all the various aspects involved in the punitive process. The High Court of Australia has repeatedly endorsed the instinctive synthesis approach to sentencing, The sentencing process has become more and more complex in the drive towards increasing transparency and judicial accountability for their sentencing decisions. Sentencing is the arena in which the public and the media are most likely to form a view of the criminal justice system being too harsh, or more often, form the view that judges are too lenient when sentencing an individual. It should be emphasised that sentencing is an exercise that deals with offending in all its varieties, as well as all aspects of human behaviour. Sentencing is not and cannot be a mathematical science. For example, even if the law were to allocate certain percentages to aspects such as remorse, there is still the subjective question of what remorse is and whether the offender has demonstrated remorse. These questions cannot be resolved objectively and different judicial officers will come to different conclusions on such matters. However, with increasing exposure to the sentencing process, most individuals will begin to identify that sentencing is an intricate task, involving a variety of often competing factors, as well as the many common law and statutory principles which guide a court's discretion, and mandatory minimums and non-parole provisions which restrict a court's discretion when sentencing. In New South Wales, the administration of sentences is governed by the Crimes Administration of Sentences Act. Sentencing procedure is governed by the Crimes Sentencing Procedure Act, and aspects of sentencing procedure are also set out in the Local Court, District Court and Supreme Court Act, and the Criminal Procedure Act. We will be mainly referring to the Crimes Sentencing Procedure Act, which is the principal act in relation to sentencing. We will be concentrating on sentencing in the Local Court. Most criminal charges and sentencing hearings involving adult offenders in New South Wales occur within the local court. To give an idea of the caseload of the New South Wales local court, approximately 330,000 criminal cases commenced in the local court in 2016. Therefore, local courts are incredibly busy and must process cases relatively quickly. Sentencing hearings may be disposed of on the same day as a plea of guilty. Because sentencing hearings are processed rapidly in the local court, it is important that both parties are prepared and that a defence lawyer obtains full instructions from their client, goes through various sentencing options, and has relevant documents prepared before any local sentence. Where necessary, a lawyer may wish to seek an adjournment from the court under Section 40 of the Criminal Procedure Act, so that the lawyer can take further instructions from their client. The local court in New South Wales has a two-year jurisdictional limit and is also bound by the maximum penalty for each offence. The maximum term of imprisonment that the local court may impose for an offence is two years, or the maximum term of imprisonment for the offence, whichever is the shorter term. Also, the maximum fine that the local court may impose for an offence is 100 penalty units, or the maximum fine provided by law for the offence, whichever is the smaller fine. One penalty unit is currently equal to $110 under Section 17 of the Criminal Procedure Act. However, there are some exceptions to the two-year jurisdictional limit of the local court. For example, Section 58 of the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act sets numerical limitations on consecutive sentences imposed by local courts. Section 58 is a technical provision and should be considered in detail. In essence, the section empowers the local court to accumulate sentences which are served consecutively or partly concurrently and partly consecutively to up to five years within the limits of that section. In the New South Wales District or Supreme Courts, even in jury trials, the trial judge is solely responsible for determining a sentence. In the local court, a magistrate undertakes the sentencing process and delivers a sentence. Sentences can also be imposed before youth and other courts such as Environmental and curry Courts. Having detailed what is generally involved in a sentencing hearing, I now want to focus on specific matters. The first is the pre-sentence report. A magistrate may ask for a pre-sentence report to be prepared before delivering sentence. In such situations, it will be necessary to seek a six-week adjournment so that a full pre-sentencing report can be prepared. The pre-sentence report is prepared by an officer of corrective services. The order of a pre-sentence report is more likely where the offence could result in imprisonment. A pre-sentence report contains information about an offender's family and social situation, their education, employment and cultural background, their medical and psychological history, factors relevant to their attitude to offending, their assessed risk to the community, their criminogenic needs and the offender's ability to undertake community-based sentencing options. The pre-sentence report is prepared following an interview with the offender and a corrective services officer and the report is then provided to the court for review. Further information can be found about pre-sentence reports on New South Wales Corrective Services' website. Lawyers should also note the observations made by the court in the case of the Queen against Majors that much of the information gathering undertaken by officers who prepare pre-sentence reports includes work which should have been undertaken by the legal representatives of the accused prior to the conclusion of the trial. It is essential for the proper administration of the criminal justice system that those representing an accused be in a position to adduce all relevant evidence for the purposes of a plea and mitigation of sentence at the conclusion of the trial. I refer here to such matters as the preparation of a family, work and medical history of the offender and the like. It is acknowledged that there are certain matters in respect of which probation officers may be of special assistance, for example... Details of previous behaviour by the offender whilst on parole, but the principle remains that except in rare cases, those representing the offender should be in a position to adduce all relevant evidence in mitigation at the conclusion of the trial. Adjournment of the sentencing process to enable the preparation of a pre-sentence report should be confined to those cases where it is apparent to the judge that there is a clear and legitimate advantage to be obtained by this course. The case of the Queen against Majors emphasises the fact that a pre-sentence report is not meant to replace thorough preparation and appropriate advice to a client from the defence lawyer. It is important that defence lawyers go over what is involved in the interview process with their clients before a pre-sentence report is prepared. Also, a lawyer has an important role to play in advising their client whether a pre-sentence report is appropriate for them or not. While pre-sentence reports can be beneficial to the client, ultimately a lawyer has no control over what their client says in the report. The client may say things contrary to instructions to their lawyer, they may assert that they are innocent and go against their guilty plea, or they may not show any remorse or contrition. A lawyer may also want to obtain the relevant subjective and objective details in relation to an offence before the client's appointment and provide a copy of this to the report writer. For certain sentencing options that the court is considering, such as an intensive corrections order under the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act, a court is required to consider an assessment report prepared by Corrective Services in relation to the suitability of the client for that sentencing option. The Crime Sentencing Procedure Regulations specify what a report must contain in relation to an ICO. We will go into more detail about other documents used in sentencing hearings in later podcasts. Before tendering any written material, the material should be given to the defence so that objections can be made. A final point to note is that in local court sentencing proceedings, it is less likely that the prosecution will produce evidence of the facts by way of oral evidence given from the police officer or by way of a mini-brief of evidence. So that concludes the second podcast of Criminal Sentencing Law, in which we introduce the sentencing process and outline the circumstances in which a pre-sentence report should be prepared and the use of such a report. In the following podcast, we concentrate on the issues of negotiating agreed facts, fact-finding where there are contested facts, the decimony Principle and its implications.